Welcome to the Expert Network Team Podcast. Where our goal is to inform and educate our listeners on matters related to finance, legal, insurance, accounting, and other interests that are of personal and business nature. We hope you will find our content useful as well as entertaining. The Expert Network Team consists of Carl Frank of ANI Financial, Mike Miller of Miller and Associates CPAs, Jeff Cromendike of Security First Insurance Agency, and I'm Nathan Merrill. I'm an attorney at Goodspeed and Merrill. Together, our independent team combines our expertise to provide you insights and solutions, some straightforward, some profound, for real-life opportunities we see on a daily basis. We hope you enjoy the information contained in today's podcast and find it useful. If you'd like to learn more or desire to meet with any of the Expert Network team members in person, you can contact us at info at expertnetworkteam.com. That's I-N-F-O at expertnetworkteam.com. We encourage you to take advantage of a free consultation with any of our team members. Just mention this podcast when you schedule your appointment. Now on to today's podcast. Hello, listeners. Welcome to your expert team podcast. We are coming to you from A&I Financial here this afternoon. Um, we've got a full house. And so uh, my name is Jeff Cromendike with Security First Insurance Agency. And uh, Carl Frank is here hosting us at A&I Financial. Thanks, Carl. You are welcome, Jeff. How are you? I'm real good. I'm excellent. Uh, Mike Miller is here from Miller & Associates. So really glad to see you, Mike. Looking hello, hello. Him. Good to be back. Looking awesome. Appreciate that. And uh, last but certainly not least, uh, Nate Merrill with Goodspeed and Merrill. Staring down these Rolos, you know. Oh, yeah, baby. Bucket Love of the gold candy. in front of me. <laughs> I thought you were on a diet, Nate. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. Oh, well, I touched those, those. Those are COVID now, so... <laughs> It's oh, the man. COVID rule, right? Come it's on. Not, it's no we, longer the 10-second uh, we rule. It's the COVID we rule. We weren't going to bring up that word. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, hey, we thought it would be uh, awesome to hear a little bit more about uh, Mike Miller and Miller & Associates. Um, his uh, his business has, has certainly uh, been leaned on by many of us, each of us around the table here over the last year, but uh, certainly his clients are looking to him for uh, answers to questions uh, that um, he wasn't answering several years ago. So things have been changing in your business, Mike, and uh, really moving into kind of a lot of a, an advisory kind of role, which is I know how we depend on you, and certainly you count uh, count beans for us. But that's that's not what your firm does, and and what you're known for. Certainly, it's the um, the advice that uh, that we've learned to really depend on. So. We appreciate all you do for us, Mike, and I, I know uh, each of us are very grateful for Mike's, uh, Mike's knowledge. And, and if you would maybe just uh, give us a little bit of history on Miller & Associates and, and then also, um, yeah, kind of uh, what, uh, what kind of market conditions. And, and How's also, the landscape changing? Yeah, what's it, what's it changing to, uh, to, to look like uh, what, your, what the future of your firm is going to be? Sure. Thanks, uh, everybody. Uh, appreciate that. Um, I basically started my career dating myself a little bit here with Coopers and Librant, one of the big eight back in the day, accounting firms. Um, they're now PricewaterhouseCoopers, but my career was basically starting in public accounting in, in the auditing function and then moving into various controller-type positions for 25 years. Um, and then through a series of, of events, um, um, decided to, to start my own practice, my own CPA firm back in 2012. Um, started off just kind of doing tax returns, doing some some tax prep, which I've been doing my whole life um, with the companies I worked for. Um, 
then we kind of branched out to doing some some financial statement work and some accounting work. Um, and that was kind of our core business. So if you look at us, us, us CPAs and accounting firms, we have core things that we're good at. We're good at the accounting work. Some people call it bookkeeping. As a CPA, I like to call it accounting work. Um, we're good at tax tax planning and tax preparation and payroll services, uh, maybe some IRS representation. We're really good at that. But with this COVID uh, pandemic that erupted, um, we kind of got into um, this advisory role where clients were coming to us wanting to know more about, you know, can you advise us on how to get through this? And we just did a podcast recently about the strength of the balance sheet. And that was kind of the driver behind it, because as we were talking to the individuals, I sort of looked at our firm. I said, well, wait a minute. We have all the knowledge and expertise to do this. And what does it look like? So I kind of drew a graph up and it said Miller and Associates at the top. And then I had a line coming down and it split. And on the right hand side, it said maintenance services, core competencies. We're, we're good at these things. We're good at you know, accounting work, preparing financial statements. Um, we're good at tax preparation, tax planning, payroll services, and IRS representation. And I don't go. I don't go to tax court and represent people, but right. helping them with just minor uh, IRS issues, we're, we're really good at. That's our core strength. And then I said, looked at myself, and I said, Wow, I've been in corporate America 25 years. So and there's really not a business I haven't seen, uh, from oil and gas to radio broadcasting to advertising to manufacturing distribution. Uh, government operations. I've seen, I've audited and or worked for pretty much all of them. <clears throat> so from that capacity, I'm going, wow, I've got 25 years of knowledge and experience in that. What advisory services could we offer? So I engaged a couple of business coaches to kind of look at that and walk through it. And we came up with this same diagram together that was like, all right, you do these things very well, and that's kind of your core business, but you can accent that with these services, which then enhance what you're doing there and help businesses become more profitable, retain more of their money in wealth preservation through advising them through the business. And what does that look like? Um, new business owners that come in and, and start up, maybe they get a, a business best practice advisory package, right? Which basically walks them through five or six, <clears throat> a series of five or six training uh, sessions we go through that are about an hour long that walk them through, you're a business owner. These are the things that kind of you need to be aware of and some of the tax implications to educate them to, for the fact that you're looking at this from 50,000 feet. If you have a, if some one of these things pop up and you have a question, ask us, right? I can, I can plan and structure a tax event, Nate, as you do with your, with your state planning, mm -hmm. we can plan that event out before the tax impact happens, or we can prepare the tax return after it happens when we can't do anything about it. And if I've done a bad job, which I haven't of, preparing and or planning, we then fall into representation. Now, the only representation that I do pretty much is for clients outside of my firm, not my clients. It's usually somebody's coming to me going, I got an IRS problem. Some of my clients do get notices here and there, but 95% of those are uh, IRS errors. They just don't understand and we need to explain and they go away. So <clears throat> that's, that's kind of the business advisory piece. But we look at the other ones, we go, man, we're really good, especially my career, budgeting forecasting, business modeling. Um, we have sales and use tax packages, right? Because a lot of people now are, with the way the commerce is working and the way the sales tax is working, they're selling products everywhere. So what does that look like? We have tax efficiency packages. Let's look at, let's take a look at your entity structure. And Nate, you and I work a lot on mm -hmm. this, on, on structuring different things. Um, if it gets beyond those basic core advisory and tax core competencies, we engage Nate for some estate planning and some higher level 
type structuring. We're always looking at our, our, our clients from an insurance perspective to engage you, um, <clears throat> Jeff, and always, you know, everyone needs personal financial planning, right? Need to manage their financial investments. So we think of Carl when that happens. So it's a great team environment from that perspective, all four of us together. Um, but we expanded our firm to say, what more can we do and how, how more can we help? And so based on our last podcast, I mentioned that I talked to a gentleman who was in my, my office complex about what a strong balance sheet meant. I've subsequently had several business owners coming by going, man, I, I made it through this. I didn't know if I was going to make it through, but I did, and I don't know why. Can you explain to me? So now we start really getting into their financial statements. And one of the biggest questions I have, and I'd be curious to know if any of you have this question too, is the one I get frequently is, why do I show a profit on my P&L, but I don't have any cash in the bank? <clears throat> that for me is a leading indicator that people need financial statement literacy, literacy mm -hmm. training. Yeah. They don't understand. I'm going to make an observation here. And, you know, it was, there was a, a saying by Napoleon Hill um, that the I think it, it, to paraphrase it, it says the in in adversity you'll find your greatest opportunities or something like that, mm -hmm. and that was something that I was really trying to hit home to my team when this whole thing hit. Is you know to your point, you know we found ourselves in a good position. Now it's don't take this adversity or this this uh, blockade that this is presenting to you as a um, a reason not to achieve but find a reason find an opportunity in the adversity and it sounds like you've kind of done that in this and and it harkens me back to because both you and I started our firms roughly around the same period which was at the end of the last great recession and one of the things I noticed during that whole episode was that those businesses that came out of that whole debacle came out roaring like they came out strong. Obviously, there was a lot that failed, but and that seems to be the kind of um, position through your consulting services you can help firms position themselves to take a look at what the road ahead looks like, reposition whatever their assets or income sources are, so that as this thing, whether it continues to lag on or whether we really come out of it hockey stick or otherwise um v v-shaped recovery <laughs> u-shaped recovery w-shaped recovery who knows um but that seems to be where your focus is now is helping people look forward there's not a whole lot you can do for people who were bad going in but people who survived up to this point you have a lot to offer them yeah. to make opportunities out of the adversity right yeah i try really hard not to be the i told you so guy right but i can tell you before COVID hit i was giving a lot of advice not even being in the advisory business but i was giving a lot of advice to to clients on <clears throat> how they should be doing things or, or options to do things one of them was you don't have to you don't have to be an you don't have to have an office can work from home. You can you can rent. You can do all these different things, um, and everyone's like, "No, no, I got to do this and I got to do that." A lot of my clients had to meet us in person. A lot of them. And now COVID hit, and it's like the people who had to meet me in person are now using Zoom, and they're like, "Why didn't I do this before?" And they, yeah, they do like that personal touch, but it's just like I got to get in the car and drive to your office 10, 15, 30 minutes, and drive back. Now we don't have to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. We can just do this on Zoom. They can share all their financial information and tax returns just yep. on the on the screen. It's a whole paradigm shift. It, it's, it's, it's almost huge. thrust upon us. It's but. huge, yeah. It's huge. And I and I and I <clears throat> had a client in, <clears throat> excuse me, 
I should say, a prospect in today who I'm converting to a client who does uh, is in the medical field. And through this whole thing, they found out that rather than being so centrally located, they can diversify their services by planting people in various locations to do this work and have, like, tripled their income. Or they would have never thought about doing that before without having to, the opportunity to think outside of the box. And how can I do this thing differently? And it, it's, it's true for everyone. We're even looking at it in our firm going, you know, I got like three more years on my lease, but I'm like, I, c I can just run a virtual office. I can hire people anywhere in the country, let alone anywhere in the world, to do this work if people, if we just design our business to be virtual. Right. Right. I don't need to have an office. I would love to see people. Don't get me wrong. I do like that. that well, that, that, that brings up another it, topic that we've talked about having a podcast on, which is maintaining a corporate culture or a company culture mm -hmm. in a virtual environment. But 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 dollars and cents. I mean, if you're doing going back to the bean counting side, it absolutely makes financial sense to reduce your overhead. Right. That's one of the in in more ways than biggest one. expenses. Businesses that aren't otherwise retail. Oh, granted, in retail you can go to e-commerce if you can make it work. So. Right, and now you're thinking along the lines of, of rent space, office space. That's one piece of it. I look, speak a little angrily at this point, but if you look at some of the policies that are being implemented in the paid leave and all these things that businesses now have to pay on behalf of the employee, um, we can now look at the states that don't have all these programs and hire employees there to work virtually and lower our cost again. What states mm -hmm. don't you get? Fascinating <laughs> idea. That's a separate topic, and let's yeah talk about survey it. all the states and where we want to hire employees. Yeah, and I and I actually was on a uh, a webcast with a gentleman who's an employment lawyer. It was with the chamber over here, the local chamber, and he was. And I asked him, I said, do you have a list of all the states and what their requirements are? And he said, yes, I'll get that for you. So I, I will have that list. It says, what are the favorable states to employ? I understand California is really great. <laughs> Sarcastically, Sarcastically, right. Sarcastically, yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, I'm really fascinated because I think a lot of our listeners would be interested in how you made the pivot. So a disaster is one thing. And sometimes we tuck and roll and, you know, we get, we're just trying to keep the things alive. But you not only did that and got your business through these crazy times, you pivoted and changed the whole thing. I think you mentioned a business coach. Can you talk more about that, how you found that person and what your, what your strengths and weaknesses, how did you make that decision? What was your decision framework? And the advisory piece. It was really just looking at, geez, we want to branch out and we can offer advisory services. Well, what does that look like? And we looked at our current pricing model to say, yeah, we, okay, we price, we price our, our hourly models. We kind of don't want to be doing hourly models. We want to be more on a fixed or a value pricing model, right? And so we looked at that and we said, all right, we do these services um, really well and we're going to put a price on them, right? We can, we're pretty, pretty good with that. Um, and so to pivot, I said, oh, I don't know how to how to really engage and do this other stuff and develop it. And so there were two business coaches that we dealt with. One was with Thomson Reuters, and another one was an external person who really looked um, at our pricing and said, this is, how, this is how you price it, and kind of did the analysis, laid it all out, worked on the presentations, worked on all the materials, worked on our processes internally to make sure we can accommodate all these services we're offering. And lo and behold, we started this in November, and you know, my incremental revenue boost has been significant. That's fantastic. Just you, in just in two and a half months. So that paid for the business coach. Yeah. Oh yeah. Many right? times over. Yeah. Yeah. And I always look for that in my business. If I spend a buck, how quickly do I get it back, and how much money am I get back on that dollar investment? It's not always going to be that quick. That was quick. <laughs> what a win. Yeah. What a win. 
So we really focused in November and December just on the core processes, the core deliverables, the core presentations in our business values and our modeling what we're going to present to the, the prospects. And we're, we're converting clients. The lady that came in today, it was, I don't need to think about it. Yes, I'm signing up. What would you recommend to one of your clients who's in a similar situation where they need to pivot? How would you recommend they begin to think about that decision? Hire a coach first or what? Um, good question. It would depend on the industry if there's, you know, what kind of business coaches are available there. Um, <clears throat> I like to start with kind of looking at the business model to say, how do you really, how do you really grow the business and what, what are you offering in your business, and can you add other services in that business? Um, the client that came in today was offering one line of service, and because of this COVID thing, they were able to branch out and now offer like 12 different services. So it gets back to that opportunity. Yeah. Well, it really does. And you had an idea about the service you wanted to provide because of COVID. Mm -hmm. So it's a very different situation right. there where you know somebody comes in hopeless and clueless. You had an idea, but you needed to get the coach to help you price it, model it, and and um, deliver the list of services and it, it, almost like a menu. It sounds like yeah, it, it's looking at what assets do you have, people, skill set, knowledge. Nate, you you you, you do provide a ton of services, mm -hmm. right? And it's looking at that, going, what revenue streams can we create, and can we support that through our processes and deliverables? Right. So you it's not just looking on at one. I, I looked at me and I went, geez, I started out with taxes. We moved into, you know, accounting and financial statement preparation. Okay, now we started to brand, and we did tax planning and preparation. That's kind of a core piece of it. Is that more and more clients are asking us for advisory stuff. And, and unfortunately, what we were doing was, and this is what our coaches said, is we're giving a lot of that information away for free. And they're like, stop doing that. You're just trying to impress people, and that's, that's knowledge you've gained over 25 years of, of work. You should be billing for that. And it's like, all right, how do we how do we structure that so we can do it? And so right now we're we're in that it mode. And in our business, one of the ways we look at growth opportunities is where are we sending away work? What what competencies don't we have that we have a fair amount? And so we gets into the the kind of recording and reporting side of things is you have to actually track those opportunities in order to know what the true opportunity is. Otherwise, you're just putting a finger to the wind and saying, well, I hope. This works, and as we all know, hope isn't a strategy. So, right. So, I, I imagine you can help put together in your consulting side kind of a metrics forecasting system or help yep. people come up with those types of things. Yeah, and key performance indicators. I mean, <clears throat> when you look at financial statements, there's basically also known as KPI. KPI. Yes, the acronym <laughs> Key Performance. Can't indicators. have a podcast without an acronym, right, Carl? <laughs> we can spend nine hundred billion dollars as a country without we had an acronym. SWAT in the last one, so <laughs> I just had to throw KPI in there. Uh, so yes, um, as long as we don't get into cruts and clats. Yeah, I, that was. We need another one just on the acronyms. Yes. So you can look at your financial statement and you say, yeah, we got a profit and loss statement, we got a balance balance sheet, and, and what really pulls those two together, if you look at them, the, the intermediary is the statement of cash flow. And that's all historical information. But how do you drive prospective information? So there's an activity-based statement that you can use that is key performance indicator driven to say, and I'll go back to, to some of the real estate days that I had where it was like, if I make 100 phone calls, and I talk to 100 people, 10 people are going to be responsive. I'm going to meet with three, and I'm going to get a deal. So I know, right, over time that if every week I make 100 phone calls, I'm going to get a deal, every one, one, one a week. 
You can project off of that. That's going to drive a financial figure in your financial statements. So what are those key performance indicators that are activity-based and not numbers-based to help you project future opportunities as opposed to historical data? And that's one of those things that you were being told. Obviously, not everybody knows this stuff, right? right. And so that's one of the things I imagine you're being told. You're giving this away for free helping these people out, which you have now rolled into a comprehensive package. Yeah. So when someone walks in and says, man, I, I had a $100,000 profit and I got no money in the bank, I don't understand why. Well, There's opportunity there. Right. So go, ba- go back to that because I don't think we fully vetted that situation. Talk about what you, how you would approach a situation like that. Um, well, I literally... It, I mean, I can give the, the carte blanche answer, this is why, and they just look at me with a blank stare, right? Because it's really financial statement literacy. You've got to understand your financial statements. So you have to reconcile your, your profit back to your cash balance, and that's what the statement of cash flow does. It basically tells you how each... Where it was spent. Where it was spent. In finance activities, operational activities, investing activities. Where was it spent? How was it spent? Right? The statement of cash flows is, is kind of a scary document. If, if you don't understand the P&L, the balance sheet, statement of cash flow is going to freak you out. So I try to look at it from a different perspective, and I, and I just put it up as a, as a graph, kind of like on a X, XY graph, and go, here's your profit, right? What did your accounts receivables do? What did your payables do? Right? And just kind of graph it back and go, here's your ending balance. And so you have this graph that basically says, this is why your cash is where it is and your profit's where it is. Usually it's because people are taking money out of the business, usually. They just, they Which hundred, doesn't show up on the P&L. It does not. That's just right. A, okay, that's I was going to say, how how then does one end up with a positive, like a profit on a P&L and nothing in the balance sheet? It's because they've drained it from, in cash. a non-expense manner, they've yep. drained it from. Yep, they generated $100,000 in profit, if that equated to $100,000 in cash, and they took it all out in the form of a draw or a distribution, you know, withdrawal. That seems pretty basic. It does, but a lot of people don't get it. If, huh. when, they, when they ask me the question... I have a $100,000 profit, and I have no, no money to bank. Why? Uh, you and I say it's common sense. Right. But, but I get that question 95% of the time from my business owners. See that new truck you're driving? <laughs> <laughs> there is that. There is yeah. that. I, I love the idea of getting help with key performance indicators. So even in our company where you know I do forecasting all the time, that's more or less what we do, um, I feel like my Excel sheet forecasting our KPIs is pretty complicated. I, I might engage you myself on making this a lot more simple because I have a feeling there's really just two or three that drive the success of our company and maybe a lot of others. Does that ring true? Yeah, yeah. You usually find out when you go through the analysis and you spend some time on it. It does take some time. You find out there's usually anywhere from two to four that are just – they're the drivers that if, if you pay attention mm-hmm. to these. And, again, they're not lagging indicators. They're leading indicators. So you have to define what those leading indicators are. I love that. You start I, predicting what your income is going to be. You I, can start I modeling that. that. When I talk to you know tax preparers, it definitely is. We're preparing. We're not planning. Yeah, rearview mirror late. only. Right. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because this doesn't only relate to businesses. Obviously, that are we we kind of started out the discussion with the the stress on the business, but like we we just finished our budgeting meeting and we're looking at significant growth in the next. 12 months, but we have to figure out where that revenue is going to come from for us to actually produce because it's probably 40%, well, no, like 30% growth. And while we've done year over year for most of the firm's existence, 
you know, a steady 15 to 20%. We're now ratcheting that up. And the real big question is, okay, we have the production capacity. Now, how do we get all that right. out onto somebody's plate? Where does it come from? And that's what, so even in a growth mindset, you need to know what the KPI are. Yeah, well, when, you, when you're looking at growing your business significantly, let's say it's 40%. You know, yeah. you, you know you can do 30 or whatever, but we need to get 40% more. How are you going to do that? What, right. what, are your, what are your drivers? And who's monitoring that? Right. Where's it coming from? Where's it coming from? How are you going to do it? Because you know, a lot of times, not only do they ask me you know, or, or tell me, hey, I got $100,000 profit, no cash in the bank. I'll ask them, so where do you want to be in three to five years? What do you want your business doing? I'd like to make a million dollars. And they're currently making 500. Right. I want to make you know a million bucks. Well, how are you going to get there? Do you have a plan? No. Well, that just tells me they're throwing a dart at the board and hoping they get there. Right. And we're looking at our kind of goal is we have a certain bandwidth. Like, again, we're selling time for the most part. So we have a certain production capacity. We dial that back based, based on you know utilization, realization. And that's our target. But that still doesn't answer the question of how do we – How. how yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's, we spending marketing it's dollars? Challenge. Are we networking? What what are we doing? Doing podcasts, drive? just like this, <laughs> just like this, right? I, I sense this gets you excited. It do, it does, yeah. I mean, I love I love as an accountant, we like things that fit in a box, right? So when I do the financial statements, everything's got to everything's got to reconcile, everything's got to work. When I do the tax return, it's got to fit in the box. It's got to be right. And it's all there. And when you plan effectively, as we do, Carl. We know what that liability or that refund is going to be at the end of the year, so the tax return is just a formality. It's the same thing with the financial statement. If we plan appropriately and we're watching those key indicators as they, as they develop every month or we're projecting they're going, if they're not working and they're going south, we need to change something. We can't wait 12 months to make that decision. We have to make that decision now to stop that downward trend. What's working and then enhance what's working. Maybe do more of it. Um, but if it's not working... Do you find that a lot of people don't know... Uh, how they got successful? Yes, there are there are people out there, bless their hearts, that are just lucky. They're just good. They just find something and it works. It just works. Now, usually when I find those types of clients, their financial statements are wreck and their tax returns are all wrong, and they've significantly given under- away money. Oops. No, they've significantly underpaid on their taxes because oh, okay. their financial statements were so bad, and their tax returns were their, their revenues or their expenses were incorrect. And I'm usually pointing out where you know, we got some tax liabilities here we need to fix. Mm-hmm. So very rarely do you find that one person who's just come out of the gate first year and he's made a million dollars and everything's perfect. Well, it's complicated. Yeah. And, and just like our team knows, you need a team, right? You can't know everything. You're a fool if you're trying. Yeah. Again, where's, one of the key indicators for us in this advisory piece of it was, was there's, there's really two words, uh, intentional and value, right? We want business owners to work with us who are intentional about running their business. They're not throwing a dart at the dartboard. If they're lucky, great. We can help them help them structure that. But most of the people, I don't want them throwing darts. I want, mm-hmm. I want them planning out their strategies and executing on those strategies. We want to be a business partner with those people. The other one is the value proposition. You as a business owner, your value is not in going home every night and running payroll and or doing the books. Your value sure. is bringing in more business to the clients so you can keep your people Sounds productive. like you've talked to my partner. Yeah. <laughs> Nate, stop doing that. So, so many people come in and they're generating really good revenues and decent profits and they don't want to spend a little bit of money to have us do the books. They want to do them when they go home. That's great. We'll review them. But then what it really turns out to be is at the end of the day. Pay me now, pay me later. Yeah. I mean, if I have to review your books and fix them, it's going to cost you just as much if I just prepared them myself. Right. 
And well, along that way, they're they're correct, they're accurate, and there's stuff. Maven that, allow you to make more because you're not taking that right. boss time, right. and you're focusing it in productive activities. Exactly. And exactly. if you know your KPIs, those are the ones. Yeah. What's a KPI? Key performance indicator. So that's the test for today. That's the test for today. Hopefully, everybody in their cars mouthed that as they were <laughs> listening to this. Great job, Mike. It, I, I'm really excited about the way you pivoted your organization, thanks. and we're going to take advantage of it. Sounds good. Awesome. Well, thanks for your time, and, and uh, until next time, that will be uh, all we have for today. Great, a beautiful day. Thank you for joining us today. Hope you enjoyed the information we shared. If you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to share it with someone else, and join us next time. If you want to meet with a member of the team, please contact us at info at expertnetworkteam.com that's info at expertnetworkteam.com if you have special topics you'd like to hear about please reach out to us and let us know at the same email address again that's info at expertnetworkteam.com thank you for joining us and have a great day thank you for listening to this podcast we want to remind you that listening to this podcast does not establish a client professional relationship with any of the firms represented, nor does it constitute legal, investment, or accounting advice, and the views are those of the professionals only. Investment advisory services may be provided through a Financial Services, and securities may be provided through Genios Wealth Management.